if you have something you're ashamed of or something that kind of stings, something that makes you not confident and you keep it hidden, you keep it in the dark, it's going to stay there. It's going to stay there hidden and it's going to bug you every time somebody comes up against it. And now for something completely different. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiot Radio Podcast. This is Tony Frame PhD, your host. Welcome back to the Strong Buddy. It's radio podcast. Transitioning into the She Speaks Confidence podcast. I know it's been a year or so, and I'm really glad you're still with me. Uh, it's been quite an interesting year. Uh, nevertheless, uh, what I am doing and what the transition has been, as I've talked uh, in the previous show, was uh, was bringing in powerful women to talk about confidence, their journey through confidence, through disasters, uh, what they've learned, and how that can help you in your confidence journey as well. Today, I have a good friend of mine and somebody that is my personal strategist, Larissa Salazar. Hi, Larissa. How are you? Hi. Larissa is uh, works with BBG, Brand Builders Group, and that's actually what I've been doing for the past year is working on niching and rebranding into the women's confidence niche, and Larissa's been an incredibly huge help uh, to me in doing that, and so I forced her to be on the show to talk about uh, one of her confidence journeys, and uh, so Larissa is uh, 27. She is a personal brand strategist with BBG. And uh, and a, and a proud graduate of Texas State, uh, well, a graduate Go nonetheless, Bobcats. right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so, which we're going to talk about. That's the reason why I brought that up. Now we talked before the show, mm-hmm. and you decided to uh, share one or maybe one and a half of your stories that that deals with reputation, and mm-hmm. it actually started right in in college. Wasn't this kind of how you're going to? start things up like something that happened in college in terms of your reputation and letting other people define you and how much of a hellish nightmare that is and how much that will keep you from, you know, really grasping your true confidence. Yeah, for sure. Um, in college, um, that was between the ages of 18 and 22 for me, um, which are such formative years and, everything feels really big, any decisions and things that you do during those years. Um, And I would say that it definitely did shake my confidence a little bit. I went into college feeling like I was on top of the world because I came from a very small town and I was a big fish, you could say. Um, And then you come in and things are just different. And what I've kind of learned is that if you don't um, learn from some of the decisions that you've made, if you don't change or if you don't get down to the deep root of why we do certain things, how we act, um, then it can just follow you into adulthood. Mm -hmm. I'm only 27, but learned a lot since 20 years old. (laughs) Only 27s, really. I mean, there's a lot you can learn. You can have three lifetimes before you're 27. And I think that's the point that we're going to talk about is the fact that and I have a lot of clients that are in their early 20s that have already lived a few different lifetimes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be 45 or 50, although it does help, uh, I got to be, <laughs> on, be honest with you, to have a more wide range and understanding of yourself and of your true confidence and what works for you and not letting other people kind of push you around, you know, mentally, physically and all that stuff. Your, your story picks up in mm-hmm. college and it comes at a time where you're you just set the scene to where you you thought you're kind of big chick on campus 
uh, like we all do. Well, big band on campus. <laughs> yeah. And then you get there and you're like, oh man, this is, this is not, you know, what I kind of expected. Uh, what happened at that point? Yeah. You could say that freshman year to like junior year, it's all about discovery, making friends, um, finding out where you fit in. And that feels really good. And it's a lot of fun. Um, naturally, because you're a college age girl and a all women's organization, you meet boys. And I got into a relationship, we could call it, um, with a guy who just wasn't that great. Um, he just wasn't that great. How, how was how how was he not that great, Larissa? You know, guys at that age, they lack the desire for commitment. Um, they lack that, many things. Yes. That I would say that is the big the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I am a very emotional girl who wants attention and commitment, which I think we all deserve. Absolutely. Um, and so we're also 19, 20 years old, so that can only go bad. Um, <laughs> naturally. Um, uh, you, you said that I did not. Yeah. I, I now on the other side of it, it's like, I can totally own it at the time. It felt yeah. so heavy and strong. Right. Uh, it is. Cause it, cause it's your entire world. Right. Especially when you, when mm-hmm. you break out of the whole home or a small town thing and you get into a situation like that, you know, your entire identity is wrapped up into, you know, who you're with or, you know, in terms of a relationship or like fraternity or sorority or whatever. And anything that happens, anything that shakes the boat just a little bit is just crushing. It is. And so we'll set the scene at, I was in a sorority in a leadership position. He was in a fraternity. He also held a leadership position. So you could say that we ran in the crowd of people who were like the decision makers. Um, We, we're planning events and deciding if we were going to socialize together and different things like that. Um, but the whole relationship to me was kind of, I wanted it so badly. He didn't want it so badly. And there was this push and pull on, well, if you make that decision, I'm going to make sure our organizations never hang out, which at the time was like a huge deal. Um, so we played that back and forth game many a times. Um, so he was blackmailing was, you basically a little bit, right? Was, in terms of if you break up with me, then you can forget the whole, you know, house thing. We're going to be so done. Um, okay. there it was, it's a lot. And so, especially being 20, 21 years old, um, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of baggage, um, there's also a lot of drinking and just like there can be it, it was it was a time. That's how I like to describe it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Because because I went through that. You everybody yeah. goes through that. And there's and again, there's there's really nothing you can do to, to not go through that when you're 19, 20 and 21. Right. Because it's yeah. important to kind of go through those, those terrible yeah. layers of your life at that point. It's like the second terrible twos. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so we're, I'm in this leadership position. There was a decision that was made that I'm not super proud of. A really poor decision that the organization just did not feel super strongly about. Um, they felt that it was a bad representation of our sisterhood and what we stood for, mm-hmm. um, which now I totally see where they were coming from. But again, at 20, 
it felt a lot like shit. Like I was ashamed. I felt a little bit dismissed and I was politely asked to take more of a backseat in my leadership position, um, continue to run it, but not so much be a face of our organization. Because, um, because they felt that the, you being the face was a discredit to the organization for some reason. Yeah, you could, you could say that in okay. so many words. Um, and that was hard at that age, just knowing and kind of as a girl comparing yourself to other women in the chapter, you have maybe 10 to 15 women who have any sort of leadership position, but it's an organization of 200. And so anybody else who is not a quote unquote face of the organization could ultimately be making any sort of decision and not getting reprimanded for it. Mm. Um, So I felt like I had poured like my heart and my soul into this position and this organization for me to get dismissed. And so in front of everybody, I was kind of asked to take that back seat. And Mm. so it was an automatic kind of like exposure of my decision that I deeply regretted and something that I was super sad about and ashamed about to 200 people. Did you have any imposter syndrome going into that already mm-hmm. to where you felt as though you were, you know, oh, maybe you didn't have the competence to do that. You didn't have, you you, you were just kind of, you know, acting or kind of, you know, hopefully nobody's going to find out type of thing. Or were you pretty confident going in and doing your thing at that point? Yeah, going into that position, trying to get it, it was not the easiest thing for me to do. My grades at the time weren't always the best, mostly because I was definitely in the wrong major. I wasn't doing the right thing, um, which I hadn't been confident enough at that time to make the switch. So my grades were struggling. Um, There's one other person who makes the decision who is like, her grades are struggling. She's not going to do it. That would be a bad idea to put her in. Um, Just things like that. So it was already a little bit of a debate for me to be in that position to begin with. But you felt so, as though you you were you felt as though you could handle it though. Oh, I definitely thought I could good. handle it. Okay, I good. Was, okay, I good. was ready. So at I least was, you didn't have that to deal with. That's good. No. There was this like hesitation just a little bit because I had had to prove myself so much at the front end yeah. that it hurt on the back end of this to be like they they kind of called it. They called it at the beginning that I wouldn't be able to do it and I was determined that I could. Um Don't so to have that. to yes. So to have to take that back seat, it, it sucked. Oh yeah. I bet. Lack, lack of better words. It just sucked. Mm-hmm. It was painful. Um, and there is just, it's a different kind of feeling of like shame when it like shakes your confidence just a little bit differently when the judgment of others is put on you for something you can't undo. Um, oh, that's such a good, can you say that again? <laughs> That's um, such a great that's such a great point. There nothing quite shakes your confidence more than the judgment of somebody or the judgment that is placed on you for something you can't undo. Right. It's just the decision was made, the thing happened. It's not like I had gained a few pounds and needed to lose the few pounds and my confidence would be back. It w- just wasn't that simple. How did you handle that? Um well there were a lot of tears. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, rightfully there, so, right? There were a lot of tears. And I think at the time, um, I didn't I didn't know how to handle it, truthfully. I wasn't super happy about the decision I had made, but I still didn't agree with them kind of like how they decided to reprimand me for that. It was already something that I wasn't super proud of. And just being in an organiza- organization like that, you hope that there's a little bit more guidance, a little more grace for the people who just make up this organization. I think at the time, what I needed was somebody really to come in and say, hey, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Is there something we can do to like make this better for you? And instead, I was just kind of kicked to the side. Um, so I, the only thing I knew how to do was kind of to bury it down and overcompensate. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm not hurt. I can totally be okay. Um, and I'm proud to be who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my defense mechanism Mm -hmm. was the only thing I knew how to do. So instead of digging into that hurt and that decision, I just buried it really deep down and tried to elevate everything else that I was doing, where I was going to go work next. How was I going to show up there? What I was doing, where I was going, was I going out and having fun with my friends? Was I wearing nice clothes? Any of the like external things that I could portray as I'm fine, I'm confident, I was doing it. And how'd that work out for you? <laughs> it it worked for the time being, mm-hmm. but we know that that's not long-term. It's a Band-Aid. And it's only a matter of time until something comes and rips that bandaid off again. Mm -hmm. And that thing, that decision or that thing that makes you feel not confident comes to the surface again, unless you deal with it. Did that happen or how did you deal with that? Yeah. um, My, I mentioned that like my first job, I went in really confident. I decided to go from Texas State University to San Antonio And my first job was working for a marketing agency um, that had three magazine publications with it as well. Mm -hmm. So I was project managing clients. I was writing for the magazine. I was hosting live events. It was my dream job Mm -hmm. for way less money than I should have been getting paid. Um, But it was my dream job nonetheless at Mm -hmm. 22 years old. And so I felt like I had made it out on the other side, like alive. I was like, I got exactly what I wanted. I have the job I'm proud of and I can be confident in that is what I thought. I even made like my first great role coworker friend that transitioned from just an office friend to like an in-person friend. And that was like a huge win for me because everybody else, any other friends that I had, while they were still my great friends, they knew this other college version of me, mm-hmm. right? So it felt really nice to come in and get to be whoever I wanted to be, even if it was just a, sh- a show at the time. And so there was a, an instance where we had had a really, me and that friend, we had had a really great client event. Everybody was happy. Um, at the end of the day, we were like, we ran this successful event. It was a hit. We took some photos with our clients, things like that. Photo was shared on Instagram and I was super excited and super proud. I was like, this is a win. We did it together. We can celebrate. 
And she got reached out, reached out to by a mutual acquaintance that we had. She was a little bit older than me. Um, and so we had some friends that kind of laid right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that acquaintance actually told her, like, you should run. Don't <laughs> don't be friends with her. Well, thank like, God somebody's looking out for her best interest. Yeah. And I was mortified. I was like, here it is. Somebody from the past, somebody from college has swooped in Uh to let her know that I'm not the person that I say I am. It's following you, Larissa. It's following me. That that whole besmirched reputation thing that was created by other people is following you. Did you know who this person was that made the comment? Um, I did. So I knew her and me and that person had not necessarily been friends. It was a friend of a friend. Okay. Um, and so did that person know the whole story? No. Would it have mattered if she did? No. No. Still not the kindest thing to go and do. I think in that year, it was really important for me to kind of decide who I wanted to be because I had been this person in college who was rowdy and fun and involved and had made some decisions that she wasn't really proud of and was deeply hurt by them, but didn't really want to deal with it. And then I came in with this facade, I'm going to be fine. And then that didn't work. So that was probably in 2019, um, just for reference. And the first thing I did was I started talking about this thing, like this thing that people were holding over me, the thing that made me feel unworthy or not confident to build new friendships or walk into a room and feel like I was worth being there. Um, I started to talk about it. I also started going to church. I found my faith, um, which was super helpful as well. And I think that's kind of where I found that like tool or that idea um, of if you have something you're ashamed of or something that kind of stings, something that makes you not confident and you keep it hidden, you keep it in the dark, it's going to stay there. It's going to stay there hidden and it's going to bug you every time somebody comes up against it. If you bring it to the light, you surrender it, you talk about it, you learn how you can grow past it. It doesn't weigh over you anymore. Such a huge uh, uh, epiphany, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's and, and it's such and it's such an amazingly powerful technique or tool or just uh, you know concept yeah. of reality to just just own it. Just uh, mm-hmm. again, again, you know that that's such a good such a good point. A lot of stuff is going to happen to us, like, you, sure. like the reputations that we have zero control over. We have zero control over anything except for ourselves and mm-hmm. and our and our grounding into ourselves and our and yeah. what our ideals are what our morals are and the fact that you that you got to the point where you understood that is this the second that you own that stuff even if you don't agree with it which is a mm-hmm. huge thing because well, I guess there's so many things that we do not agree on in life because yeah. of other people and other people's uh you know perspectives and and their motives Mm-hmm. Which which are probably not in our best interest a lot of times. Right. I know yeah. that for me, even surrounding myself with the best people that I can, stuff's going to happen. 
Mm-hmm. So, ha- so be taking the step to own not only owning it, which is the first step, right? Then talking about it, mm-hmm. huge. Which means, which basically comes down to one of the major, major points that I work with that I that I talk to all my clients about: create that support group. Sure. Cre- yeah. Have have that tribe. That ha- mm-hmm. it could be one, it could be just one BFF, right? But have that tribe that you can talk to someone about it. So incredibly important. It's not, and as you know, and, and mm-hmm. maybe, and, and you tell me, was it about you talking about it and them, you know, validating your point or was it just you talking about it and them allowing you to talk about it? Yeah, it was definitely just giving me the space to get it off my chest and having somebody that would listen because I didn't need somebody to validate it. It had been a couple of years since then. I didn't need somebody to tell me, man, those women who kind of made you feel bad sucked. I didn't need that. I just needed to be heard. I also needed that if I walked into a room somewhere and somebody did bring it up that I could give my friend the eye and they'd be like, it's going to be okay. Like breathe, take a breath. Like it's not a big deal because our emotions run so quickly and they shift so quickly. So if somebody does bring up something that makes you feel a little bit of shame or not like yourself, we're really quick to react. And so just having somebody else in the room that like knows what's going on can kind of read your mind and say, I know that you're, Hey, you're here. Reality is that that doesn't matter anymore. Like, and we can keep moving. That was such a huge relief. Like, right. It's it. And it's it. And it's an incredible process that women, uh, that if they can harness this, because first of all, you guys, as you know, you guys are, you are more emotional, but what the, what, what, it's not just that you guys are more aware. You are more mm-hmm. hypersensitive to things, which means that when stuff does happen from the exterior and yeah. people do have rip, you are going to react. There's no way. And this is the one thing I, I try <laughs> to speak to my clients mostly about. There's no way you will not react. There's no way you should numb yourself to the reaction. Be mm. aware. Be hypersensitive. That is that is actually a talent. It is actually a gift to be hyper aware and to be yeah. and to have that perspective. The key is, is exactly what you just said. It's when you do become aware and you have that initial rush of adrenaline mm-hmm. or rush of emotion, don't let that create the reality right right it's it's about bringing that up into that thinking processing prefrontal cortex part of the brain and then saying okay this is whoa this is a lot right now and and what is this and then start to kind of look at it from the perspective of being grounded which your faith grounds you mm-hmm. your your friends or your support group grounds you you yeah. ground you into the into the knowledge of you being mm-hmm. you know whole and complete and then that allows you to really take it and not just run amok with the emotions and let that take you off into never, never land. And it grounds you into the understanding that, you know, this is real. The emotions are real. They really are. They, they are your reality. Do not deny those emotions and that rush, but don't let it dictate your life around you. Use it for mm. what it is and then take a look at it. And then move on from there for more of a cognitive, you know, place, more of a grounded, exactly what you did. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, if I had known how to do that from the beginning, we wouldn't be here. Listen, right? you know, <laughs> let's, and, I, and we talked about this before, Larissa, hardly anybody knows. That's why I do the show. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, and I think it's a, it's a point where people can start to see a little bit of progress. Also, it's like what once made you make decisions or made you feel a certain way and you reacted, which maybe formed the reputation you have, you now have the opportunity to start rewriting it. Somebody brings it up. You are able to control the reaction that you have. Maybe it's a calmer one. Maybe it's a more, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to think before I respond type of reaction. Um, And that begins to reform the reputation and what people know of you. It's how you react. That's exactly Um, right. And we're the only ones who can control how we react. And so there, in between like the beginning of the story and this piece of the story, there is learning, there is more understanding of your emotions that takes place in order to even begin to rebuild the reputation that was causing the shame a little bit over mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I think it's just super important to remind yourself, to remind all women, the quote unquote rep- reputation you have right now doesn't have to be the reputation or what you're known for a year from now oh, or, 100%. or five years from now. Um, just intentional action moving forward in the direction that you want to go with like sharing the message of the things that make you passionate, like make you happy and share your passion. Um, that is what's going to form your reputation. So lean into that. Um, the thing that held you back three years ago is not going to be the thing that holds you back in five years. Unless Um, you allow it to, unless you allow it to. So the deep digging has to start here. Bring to light the things that make you feel uncomfortable. Bring to light the things that bring you shame. If you don't know how to do that, get yourself the mentor, get yourself the group of women who you trust and can be vulnerable with to work through some of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's therapy. Maybe it's whatever type of help will allow you to do that digging, bring those things to light and then decide to own it and move forward. So mentorship tribe, bringing all of those things to the surface is what's going to help you be confident in the future. The Larissa Salazar mic drop right there. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Thanks so much for being with me, being on the show. If you are interested in building your personal brand, you can connect with me. Tony has the link to schedule a free strategy call to explore um, what it would look like to dive into your personal brand. So you can serve the people that you're powerfully positioned to serve. Maybe you have a business or a service that somebody needs out there. So I would love to help you um, just share that message. And I will definitely include that in the show notes uh, as we put that out, both on YouTube and in the podcast forum. So thanks, Larissa. Again, I really appreciate it. And I'll uh, see you in about uh, like a week or so, probably. Yeah, for our next strategy session. Right, exactly. Um. Until (laughs) next week, I will uh, talk to you guys later. And thanks again, Larissa. I appreciate it.